Let's open the word of the Lord. Uh, to <clears throat> I'm going to actually be reading uh, various verses. Uh, Ezekiel 34. We'll start with Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. We're going to read. Uh, I'm going to read from various um, versions of the Bible. I'm going to read from the Message Bible, the Amplified Bible, maybe New King James, because I want to accentuate various points. I want to talk to you a couple of minutes about how he loves the world through us. He loves the world through us. He loves the world through us. As I was asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom concerning even the, the title. That's what the Lord gave me. He loves the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. See, when the way God manifests his love to the, to the world, he gives. But he just doesn't just give things. He just doesn't give resources. He gives people. How do you know God loves you? Because that person preached to you. Because that person knocked on your door and gave you some sugar and, and some you know, bread. God loves, so he sends people. When he sees the need, he meets the need by sending you. You are somebody's answer. You are God's answer to somebody. So Ezekiel 34, verse 11 and 12, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his sheep in the day that he is among his flock that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them out of all places where they have been scattered in the day of clouds and thick darkness. That's Almighty God speaking. And it was not just a statement, it was a prophetic statement. It was a future-oriented statement. Because later on, we see that Jesus came onto the scene. He says, my Father sent me. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. For God so loved the world, let me change that around. For God so loved the world that he sent someone to us. For God so loved the world that he sends us to someone. Amen. So it says here that he himself, you know why? He was upset at the shepherds of, those, uh, at that, day, of, those, of that day. Excuse me. He was upset at the shepherds of that day. And he was telling these shepherds that they were not... You okay? You're going like this. I don't understand. Huh? Anyway, like I was saying. She lets me suffer for a while, you know. I'm like, and then she tells me finally. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I was in the flow already, you know. I just wanted to give you stereo, that's all. So what blows me away, besides my wife... Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Is the fact that God loved His people so much that even before the need was there, He already saw the need and He already met the need. Amen. And He says, I'm going to take care of this business. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to multiply myself on earth. And I'm going to call out some people. And I'm going to move on some people. I'm going to pour my spirit on some people. 
And they will be my manifestation of love and care. I'm going to touch a people so profoundly with my spirit and my presence and my laws and my way that they're going to act like me on earth. What was part of, of Jesus' prayer? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, his will was that he's going to take care of his sheep. In, her, in heaven, his will was that he saw the pain of his sheep, the fact that his sheep were scattered, and by sheep was people, humans, both Jews and Gentiles. And he says, I'm going to take care of this business. I'm going to handle this personally. So in the heavenlies, he designs something unusual called the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the Greek word for church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, again the Amplified, we can see that he said, he will be our God and Father and we will be his people. So not only did he say it in the Old Testament, one of the apostles, as he's writing to the book of Corinth, or rather to the people of Corinth, he said, he repeats this thing. And he says it this way. He says, what agreement can there be uh, can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them, I will walk in and with and among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. See, so the apostle in the New Testament verifies God's love as it was shared by an Old Testament prophet. And he says the same thing. He reiterates what God had spoken through the prophets of old by sharing that verse in the New Testament. We know the New Testament is a series of letters that were written to the churches in the different regions. And as Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he takes the scriptures that to him were the Old Testament and he repeats a verse of the Old Testament. And he says, remember what God said, that he would be our father, that he would be our God? And he repeats it just to accentuate how God was going to minister during this time, in this time of grace. That he was, he was thinking about something that was hidden in the Old Testament, but manifest in the New Testament. The ecclesia, a group of people that God would call out, not just to gather, but to be His body, to be His voice, to be the ones that would spread His love, His care, His word, His pattern. And so He's agreeing. And in verse 17 it says, So come out from among them, come out from the unbelievers, and, the, and separate yourself, or se sever yourselves from them, said the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. Then I will receive you kindly, and I will treat you with favor. Oh my God, thank God for favor. One moment of favor could change your entire history. He says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. That was also in the Old Testament. Not only will he be your God, he will also be your father. Now what more gentle, awesome, tender name than father? Well, mother. See, but God is both father and mother. He has that complete anointing. When he created man, he created man both male and female. But that expression came out of God. When God is your father, that's the whole package right there. And so he tells us, he reminds us, I'll be father to you. And you'll be my sons and daughters. So this goes way beyond the, oh yeah, he's, he's God, you got to fear him. No, I want you to see me as father. In our earthly expression, we don't have perfect fathers. We have struggling fathers. Those that are trying to do their best. Some fathers are fathers already at age 15, 16. They have no idea what it is to be a father. 
Hence, they make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes they run away from their responsibilities. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying we have a lot of challenges mm -hmm. being able to be that, a father. But Almighty God doesn't. He's the perfect father. Right. Amen. And he manifests that through the church. And then in John chapter 10, verse 11 through the 16, I'm reading it through the Message Bible, Jesus is manifest now as the good shepherd. And he says, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. This, the sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and he runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered, and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. And I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock and one shepherd. So he was shepherding those that were there in his earthly ministry. But there was coming a time that he had to die on the cross. He had to die for mankind, become the perfect lamb of God. But on the third day he rose again. And after 40 days of extra instruction, he was sent back up to the Father. But before he was sent back up to the Father, he says, you stay and remain in the upper room and I will imbue you with power. And when you receive the power, you will be able to be my witnesses. In other words, this very thing, the one body and one shepherd thing would be manifest through all of them, the ecclesia. So that day when the Spirit of God hit that group of people, I mean, that one day 3,000 people came to Jesus. Wow, what would we do if suddenly 3,000 people showed up here in this place? Are we ready for that? Well, I don't want to blow you away. So how about, are we ready for if 10 show up? We could start with 10. What if somebody shows up to your house? What would you do? Are you ready for him? Are you ready for her? What if a family shows up? What if a young lady, a young single lady with a child moves in next door to you? Somebody was ready and they took care of that young lady. And that young lady in turn took care of her family. Hallelujah. Amen. So... What we see here is just an extension of God's heart. He said, I am the shepherd. And then in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, it's not up there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, it makes it clear that God gives gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Jesus gave gifts. What are the gifts? He anoints us with His own spirit, with His own presence. So now... We become part of the shepherding process. Say to your neighbor, we become part. I've said it in the past, this is not a luxury liner. Where 2,000 or 3,000 people are sunning and funning, and only about 800 people are working. This is a battleship cruiser. Well, not, maybe not a cruiser, but a battleship. Everybody works in a battleship. Everybody has a responsibility. Everybody makes that thing work, and work well, it does. And it protects, and it guards, and it keeps, provides security. Hallelujah. Wherever it is, it is a force to be reckoned with. Now I add this, wherever the church is, it is a force to be reckoned with. Scripture says that there's a violence about this. 
and only the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God is always being attacked. The, the kingdom of God is always suffering violence, but the violent take it by force. And in the Amplified, there's, an ampl there, there, there's a connotation not of people attacking it and killing it, but the very people that belong to the kingdom of God taking authority and expanding and doing what they need to do to make sure that the kingdom of God continues to be a functional and vibrant and expanding presence in community. Amen. You missed a great place to say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So here is a definition of ecclesia, unless you showed it already. Did you show it already? No, no you didn't show it? All right, when you're ready, you could put it there. Ecclesia, from the Greek. It's, it's, it's a calling out. Then it becomes a meeting once the called out come together. We see it as a religious congregation. It could be a Jewish synagogue, Christian community, members on earth, or saints in heaven, or both. But that's the Greek connotation or the Greek definition of ecclesia. We know it today as local expressions like this one. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus one time referenced it. He says, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, what do people say? Or what are the people saying about the Son of Man? Who the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some think He's John the Baptizer, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of, them, uh, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. He says, and how about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, he says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back, he said, well, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. In other words, it was a revelation. See, there was a hidden revelation in heaven that was going to be manifest on earth. And that is that God through Jesus was going to create a family. He was going to create a group of called out ones. And these called out ones were going to manifest the love of God to humanity. Then he goes on to say, Peter, you're a rock. But this is the rock on which I will put together my church. See, the word rock there means you're a little rock. Peter, you're a little rock. But I'm going to build my church on this rock. The rock that Jesus is Lord. The rock that the revelation that God was going to build something solid. Something eternal. But here on earth. And it's going to manifest itself locally through his body. It says here, On this rock I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open up every Open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Wow. The level of authority that the church works in. And yet the enemy has deceived us into thinking we have no power. We have no authority. Contraire, mon frere. We have great power. Great authority. Every word that we speak out of our mouth has legislative and governmental and judicial authority. Whew, I said that, didn't I? Man, that, that, my hair stood on end when I said that. We've got to be very careful what we say because we have authority. Why do you think the president, before he goes out and makes any speech, they have to vet the speech? Because whatever he says becomes law. Whatever he says gets looked at and tweaked 
And you have the talking heads and the commentators on TV just trying to break down every little nuance of what he is saying. Well, he might mean this. Well, I think he means this. Why? Because his word has authority. And when you're speaking, the enemy goes, well, did she mean this or did he mean that? That's how come you need to be very certain when you speak. You need to speak with great definition. And, 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 and when Jesus spoke, he said, it is written. He made it clear. He knew what he was saying because he knew what his father said. It's very clear. And we have to become people that are very clear. Amen. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 44, it says, The Lord added daily to the church. Every day people were being added to the church. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all even as anyone had need. I love that. See, because nobody really suffered in that community. Because if they were suffering, the body came around them and took care of them. They helped each other. The government tries to do that, but they'll never do it perfectly. Because you're going to see it perfectly in the kingdom of God. See, because what's happening is in a setting like that, if there's no love of God in a person, they'll tend to abuse that. They'll bring in a lot of money, keep a little bit of here, keep a little bit there, only give it to people that they like. They won't meet needs judiciously and righteously. We've seen that time and time again, right? Even here in the Bronx, we've seen some of our legislators take money that was allocated for needs in community and take it for themselves. We've seen it in Manhattan. We've seen it in Queens. We've seen it in Staten Island. We've seen it in Long Island, Brooklyn. We see it all over the United States. And from time to time, they get caught. And you know when you, caught, when you catch one of them, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You only got one. We don't have a perfect system uh, of laws, so unfortunately, we can't read people's minds, so a lot of people are getting away with stuff. But in God's kingdom, we do it with our whole heart. In God's kingdom, we might bless our brother with a bag of groceries, but that came with our whole heart. And, and God was manifest through that loving action. Earlier this week, we, we got an email. You know, our own sister Gloria, she had a, a ch sudden challenge. Man, her cars went down. Uh, suddenly, your son had a challenge. Is son here? Mark here today? Mark, Mark right? It's suddenly, man. You know, I mean, this is happening to all of us. But you know what I love? The fact we're, we're in a body. Praise God. But, you know, I love that because it says here that they helped each other. And there were people that had a lot. Barnabas was one that had a lot. He had homes, not one home, he had homes. You know what he did? He sold some of his homes and gave the money to the apostles. And then the apostles said, okay, where, where are the needs? And he just met the needs. So what a beautiful community. It's awesome, awesome to consider. So those that had a lot, at the end of the day, their need was met. But those that had nothing, at the end of the day, their need were met. And it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Thank you, Gloria, for taking some time out and coming up here. And, and they, the simplicity of heart, they praised God and have, they had favor with the people. You may sit, be seated. They had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What an awesome community that was. And it continues to be that awesome community. Hallelujah. And that's why it needs to continue to grow. Because there are so many needs here in the Bronx and in the tri-state area. We can't touch the world. But we could touch this region. But we don't have to worry about the world because see, God anointed people all over the world to do the very thing that we're doing here. This is right now happening in Russia. It's right now happening in China, in the house church. It's right now happening in South and Central America. It's happening all over Africa. It's happening all over the United States and in Canada. 
It's happening in Poland, for crying out loud. All over the world, it's happening. In all different languages. Because he anoints people all over the world. The church is God's instrument to reach his lost sheep. I was talking to Minister Lewis the other day and we were talking about how evangelism must be born from an understanding of who we are as a church. And he's right. He's absolutely right. It's not just enough to go out and hand a flyer. You need to understand why you're handing out that flyer. You are an expression of the love of God. Scripture says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. So when you are evangelizing, all you're doing is sharing God's heart. You're sharing God's love. Mr. Lewis, we were talking about that. What are, what are some of your thoughts about this? About evangelism? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, if it comes from the church, it has to begin in the church. And let's just go back to, to how it began. How did it begin? The passage just mentioned it a little while ago. Jesus, who ascended, said to them, 120 of them, to what? In the same place, in a place called the upper room. Don't move. Don't do anything. Don't get excited. Don't get emotional. Don't plan anything until you pray in the church. It begins in the church, but it begins collectively when we pray together in one accord without any impediment. God is not mocked. Don't be fooled. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. If we do it the right way, we're going to grow and we're going to do tremendous things. But the power came on them after they prayed to become what? Evangelists? You can answer it. Witnesses. So you can't be a witness unless you have power, unless you've been endued after you've prayed together as a church to then go out. As a bunch of witnesses to do an evangelistic event or movement with an evangelist that's leading you. That understands the process. Amen. That's why God gave us the fivefold. To put this in place. So that's, that's my response. Amen. And it's good. There's someone. It's good. It's good. Excellent. I don't need to use this. I almost got caught. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for that. And, and I appreciate what I am seeing in our midst because we're catching it. We're seeing it. We are anointed as witnesses. So that means anything we're doing, we're evangelizing. We're sharing His love. We're sharing His grace. But collectively as a body, we need to come together and pray more. I am saddened that the smallest gathering is always the prayer gathering. It's supposed to be the most attended gathering because that's the place of power. That's the place of clarity in the kingdom of God. When we pray and seek God, He gives us clarity concerning our purpose, concerning we're, what we're called to do. We will be judged, but the way we will be judged is what did we do with His Son?
That's how we'll be judged. And how we shared His love to those that He loves. We will be judged. How we used the uniqueness in which He created us to share His love. Did we sit on it? Did we keep it on standby for 50 years? Or did we activate it? My God, this... I mean, I, I don't see very uh, more powerful testimonies than what we experience today. What a powerful and articulate testimony. I mean, I didn't have to preach today. That was a preach right there. Amen. 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 Was said with oomph, clarity. Amen. And she kept it real. I like it. Praise God. Kept it real. But what was the incredible theological expressions that were shared with her that brought her to the kingdom? Love. See, so many of us think, oh, I got to go to Bible school, and don't get me wrong, you do. We all do, because we need to know our stuff. We need to know our message. But, I mean, here's some groceries. Is everything okay, mamita? Let me give you a hug. Is everything okay, young man? I mean, it doesn't get more basic and more powerful than that. Sometimes love is a good smack in the head. Young man, get away from there. Yeah. Some men are waiting for that. They don't get it from family, so they'll get it from the gangbangers. They don't go like that. They beat them up mercilessly. But unfortunately, they connect them to the wrong kingdom. So we need to do that. We need to grab, I would say, the marks of this world, the young, strong oak trees that are being lost in the house of God. No, we got to take these men and love them into the kingdom and, and, and hand off the word of the Lord to them. And they'll do things we've never been able to do. Amen. I, I, I remember Daddy Osteen. I used to love his message. I used to love, he used to preach like this, like 80 years old. He was, he was always with a hand in his pocket. You know, you could tell he's an old man, he was, yeah, but he was always preaching. He had a church of 8,000 members, and he preached the word of faith. I, so, I like listening to him, and he never would look at his notes. He always memorized this message. That, that amazed me about him. At that age, in the 80s, memorizing the entire mes- uh, message every single week. Cast out at least eight devils a day, right? Yeah, eight thousand in church. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big church. Then he passes on. Who takes over? Guy named Joel, who was doing the masters, the master sound, and he helped in the background. And now he's got a church. I don't know what thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand. That's all. But who gave him the base? It was Daddy. You understand? When I was 15, I first came into the kingdom of God. My dad wasn't around because he was too busy either working or playing dominoes. If I wanted to see my dad, I had to go to the place where he was playing dominoes. That's, the way, that's where I used to see my dad. He goes, Pai, como esta? How are you doing? He's all right. Is everything okay? You all right? Toma un belloncito. You know, he'd give me like a nickel or a dime so I could buy something that day. You know? But that's how I knew him. Either that or he would play checkers. He was a master at playing checkers. But very little interaction time. So you know where I got my daddy interaction? In the church. It was the men in the church that helped to finish maturing me. The men in the church, they gave me the... the, In those days, they would give actual physical noogies. Yeah, they would do it in the church. They didn't play games. If you were out of order, they would tell you you were out of order, pretty much. Oh yeah, no, there was no games. You didn't play in the church. Well, we did get offended, but there was nothing we could do about it. 
Because if we went to mommy and daddy, they'd hit us too. So there was respect and honor in the house of the Lord. There was respect and honor in community, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, there was no playing games. You didn't play in church. I'm still here. I'm all right. And you know, I appreciate it more than words can say. I'm in my 50s now, and it was those men that helped to father me. They weren't my natural father, but they were daddies in my life. They were fathers. They were mentors and models. I would follow them to preach. When they would go out to preach, I would go with them, carry their bags. I did. I would actually carry their bags. And I'd sit there and listen. Wow, one of these days, I want to do that too. Little did I know. <laughs> God was setting me up. Hallelujah. So we are going to answer to that. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says we are a very unique organism here on earth. It says we are a priesthood, but it doesn't say that we're only a priesthood. It says we are a royal priesthood. That's interesting. That means we're both priests, but we're also, we belong to a kingdom of, or rather, a, a, we belong to a king's family. That's better said. It says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were not a people at all but now you are God's people once you were unpitied but now you are pitied and have received mercy you see we were not God's people but somebody loved us into the kingdom we were not God's people, but somebody reached out with a simple expression of love, maybe a testimony, uh, maybe they shared that verse with us, maybe they invited us to church the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and 15th time. And we kept on saying, no, 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 but one day we actually showed up, and then we realized, oh my God, this is what it's about, I didn't know. In Cynthia's own words, she says, it's not too bad, so, too long though. Well, I still have one more hour if we want to leave at two. No, I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm almost, I'm almost. My dad, he, he came to church for the first time in, in Harlem. And at the end of the service, he says, Son, let's go. Because I, I had to take him home. Let's go. Come on. We've got to rush. Meanwhile, I'm saying hello to the people. I said, Dad, I'll be right with you. And he says, You know, this church is good. That's how he used to talk. This church is good. Too long, though. Too long. <laughs> he actually said the same thing. Uh, I said, well, Dad, you, you know, we're going to have to talk about this in church, you know. Uh, in church, you've got to treat me a little differently. It was very funny. I, I would actually preach, and he'd sit right there, and he'd say, good point. <laughs> he'd actually start to talk. Went, thank you, thank you, Dad. <laughs> Amen. In, in the Message Bible, the same verse says this, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. You're chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So in conclusion, I said in conclusion, guys. Sorry, right, you could say amen, you could smile, I don't get offended. I am concerned because there is a form of religious, uh, religion out there that has no relationship. There's a form of religion out there that has no responsibility. That they say that they're Christian, but they, ha they have not Christ in their hearts. Right. 
They have not received the Son. They have not believed in the Son. They have rejected the Son. They say, well, I don't need that. There's many ways to come into heaven. Now, unfortunately, uh, you know, the one who died on the cross was Jesus. No other religion can boast that the messianic figure or the one heading up the religion died and came back again. So no one else can boast that they have power over death. So no one else can boast that the words they spoke are true. Because they didn't come back to testify of it. But Jesus did. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, I'm going to make a place for you. The Father sent me, I give my life, but I also take it back again. And since he did it, and he came back, see, it's not a myth. There were over 500 witnesses during that time that saw it and wrote about it. It's in the historical archives. They can't deny it. It's there. That's how we as a people learn. We look at history. We dig out places and find old civilizations. We look at their writings. And the writings of that time said that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. Over 500 people witnessed it and wrote about it. Some of it was made into what we call now the Bible. The New Testament is just a series of letters written by people that live in that day that saw it, that had a first-hand account. To argue all you want, it's, histor- it's history. And Matthew 7, 21 says, Not all who sound religious are really godly people. They may refer to me as Lord, but still won't go to heaven. Or still won't get it to heaven. For the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. At the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and use your name to cast out demons and do many other great miracles. But I will say, I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away, for your deeds are evil. So you may fool me, but you can't fool him. Amen. So it's, it's up to us individually. What have we done with the Son? All who listen to my instructions and follow them are wise. Like a man who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floods rise and the storm winds beat against the house, it won't collapse for it is built on rock. On this rock I will build my church. The rock is Jesus. The rock is the revelation that Jesus is Lord. And He is an extension of that prophetic word that the Father gave in the Old Testament. I myself will shepherd my people. How? By creating a community. By creating something called the ecclesia, the called out ones, who would pray together. Jesus said, like you mentioned, minister, in the upper room, wait until you are imbued and endued with power from on high. And then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. And after you finish Jerusalem, you go to Samaria, Judea rather. And after Judea, which was the next town, the next city, then it'll expand into Samaria. Many theologians say those are the places where we go that we're not natural to. We're aliens to that race. We weren't born in that race. We don't understand that culture. But the kingdom would bleed into the rest of the world. It would not remain in Jerusalem. In five years, all of Jerusalem was already evangelized. In 21 years, all of Asia Minor, huge area, was already evangelized. And today the world is in the process of being evangelized. But what have we done with the Son? Individually. How are we connecting to the body? How is the Father sharing His love through you? I want to remind you, it's very simple. Just let His love 
shine. There's a song years ago, you know, let your love flow. Is, is that yeah. right? yeah. the way it is? Yeah. La, 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 let your love shine or flow or shine, something like that. Huh? Yeah. Just let it shine, let it flow. Do a kindness when you can. When you could take advantage of somebody, don't. Yeah. When you could get revenge, don't. Right. Just bring peace, bring clarification and keep on walking. Be Christ to the world. Be a representative of Christ. Yes. <coughs> this summer, God's going to give us, as He gives us life and health, He's going to give us a lot of opportunities because there's a lot of hurting people out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of hurting people. And you, you, you know them. You're thinking about them right now. Oh, this person, that person on, on the job. And you know some of the people you're going to minister to, you don't like very much right now. Mm-hmm. I got no amen right there. Yes. I got smirks. Some of you gave me the malocchio. Yeah, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Those are the very ones God loves. So we have to get over our little petty insular way of being. And we have to really start being expressions of the love of God. How much more time we have? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you that Jesus is coming next week. Jesus did not tell me to tell you when He's coming. You know what He told me to do? Occupy until He returns. So I don't have to get busy in the business of getting ready for His return. Because I don't know when he's coming. He might come next week. He might come in 2,000 years. My business is to occupy. The word occupy means to continue to help the kingdom of God to expand. To do my part. To make sure my community and other communities and other communities know about Christ. In my own unique way. In your own unique way. And if he comes, amen. He'll find us doing so. Like scripture says. But if he tarries 2,000 years, so what? I'm not going to be here 2,000 years. I'll be another whatever years. I'll do whatever I can during my time. Then I'm going with Jesus. When he decides to return, that's his business. It's not my business. But my business is that person's hurting. That person's confused. That person needs the love of the Lord. We need to expand in community. We need to do what it takes. So I'm bringing it home to you individually now. It's not a general message. It's me and you. I'm just with you in your living room right now. What have you done with his son? What will you do with his son? And what will you as his witness do in the coming days to bring him great glory and honor and benefit somebody that doesn't know the the Lord but because of you, through you, is going to come to saving faith in Christ. (laughs) 